So the reading this evening is um, taken from Matthew uh, 3, and it's verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Amen. Thanks, Phil. That's great. Well, if uh, I've not met you, I just want to add my welcome to Nate. Uh, Nate's welcome. My name's Paul, and I'm one of the uh, ministers, one of the leaders here, along with Dave and Libby. Uh, and we're just going to look at this passage. Uh, but let's pray before we do. Father, thank you that we've got this space, this time, to just to look at this. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, reveal Jesus in this, Father, that you would speak to us that, Lord, we would know what it is that you're saying to us. That, Father, how you would want us to respond to it, we pray. Just give us ears to hear, Lord God. Get our attention, Lord. We give you our hearts, our ears, our minds. And just say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Well, Mandy was a third-generation prostitute. Her grandma was a prostitute. Her mother was a prostitute. And now she was a prostitute, caught up in prostitution. She was molded a certain way. She was brought up around thieves, sex traffickers, pimps, addicts. And now she was a prostitute and an addict too. She would say that heroin was her best friend. And when she became a mum, she didn't want the same for her kid. But despite attending five rehab programs completing countless courses of medication, being in and out of prison numerous times, she still couldn't change. Then one day she was walking in King's Cross in London and she bumped into this guy who she knew from her circles. He was involved in all the work that she was involved in and so on. And when she saw him, he looked different, like physically different. He wasn't wearing a new jacket and he didn't have a nice new haircut. He physically, something just looked different. And she wondered what it was. She was intrigued by what it was. Something about him just wasn't right. And she approached him and she said, hey, what's going on? Like, what are you into? What are you doing? Is this a new drug? Like, what, are you, what, are, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, you physically look different. Like, I know it's you, but you don't look the same. And then here comes this proclamation. Here comes this announcement. Just let's pause there. 
So what was it? This guy that's been caught up in all the stuff that I've just mentioned, lived a certain life, a certain way, looks physically different to the point where someone crosses over the street. And King's Cross is quite busy. It's not an easy cross. It's kind of a weavy way through a lot of crowd to find the person who stands out to say, what's going on with you? I wonder what his proclamation was. Was it, hey, I've won the lottery. I've come to a, a load of cash. My life is completely different. I'm so comfortable now, like absolute game changer. Was it the lottery? Was it, hey, I've found the perfect partner. Like now that we're together, like my life makes sense. I'm complete. I am just sailing by. It's the perfect partner. Was it, hey, I've found this new self-help book, self-help book and it's a game changer. Like I've done this self-help thing. I've done this program and I'm a total, like, and all them things are fine. They're great. What was it? Was it them things? What was the thing that he said? Why are you so different? What's made the massive change in your life? Well, this guy who she knew from years ago, now looking different, looked at her. He smiled, and his proclamation was very simple. He just said, Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus has made all the difference. So this very simple proclamation, it's Jesus. Like, he's the game changer. He's the one that's affecting change my life to the point where you're saying I physically look, look different and I am different from the inside out. I don't do the things that I do. I've repented. I've changed. I've said sorry. I've made it right with people. My life is a completely different story now. This set Mandy on an interesting journey because she wanted to find out who this Jesus was. She went along to um, the church that he'd, he'd been along to, and, and she was kind of a bit suspicious about it all. Like, there's got to be some sort of angle that he's doing. What is he doing? Is he stealing the collection money? What is it? Why? What is it? What's it about? And she couldn't find her, yet she kept hearing about Jesus. She kept hearing about Jesus, people talking about Jesus, the difference that Jesus has made, the healing that Jesus has brought, the forgiveness that Jesus has brought, the, the game-changing changes that Jesus has brought. And Mandy gave her life to Jesus. And his life was completely turned around. And it started with this little proclamation, the thing that's made all the difference in my life, Jesus. It's Jesus. Mandy did great, actually, and uh, she got a job um, in a prison not too far where we lived, uh, in London, in the women's prison. And she worked her way up. It was a serious job. She became senior management in the women's prison uh, ministry uh, at the age of 45, I think it was. Her work was recognized for all that she did. She did seminars and sessions. She mentored people. People interviewed her. She just did an incredible job, and her life was completely turned around. So much so that people were beginning to notice the fact that her life was changed, that Jesus was making this massive difference in her life. And in 2012, she was asked to carry the Olympic torch. A year later, she was awarded by Princess Anne for her work in the prisons. See, Jesus is a game changer. He's a life changer. Jesus is someone that turns everything around. He rearranges our insides for the good. And John the Baptist knows this. He knows that by proclaiming this good news, he's telling people, look, guys, somebody is coming greater than I. Somebody is coming who is just unbelievably awesome. The passage that we looked at here is actually uh, from Matthew, but the one in, in, in John, really, John's really excited about heaven coming to earth and the word becoming flesh. Uh, and John's really screaming, he's like, guys, watch out, because Jesus is coming. John the Baptist talks like that. He says, 
there's somebody coming. Somebody coming greater than I. He's talking about Jesus. Because John the Baptist knows that Jesus is the one that makes all the difference. And John the Baptist is proclaiming this loud and proud. Yeah, proud. Yeah, fair enough. He's wearing weird clothes and he's eating weird food. He's got a weird diet and he's got weird clothes and he's in the middle of the desert and he's screaming out about Jesus. He's telling people to repent. And he's basically saying to them, look, your heritage doesn't cut it. The things that you do that you think are good, that's not going to cut it. Like you need to turn. You need Jesus. You need a savior. You need to turn to Jesus. And Jesus is coming. Watch out, guys. Get ready. Prepare. Because Jesus is coming. And he's going to make all the difference to your life. I know it. Feel the passion and, and, and the burning of John's heart as he's standing there saying, guys, you're going to love this guy. Like Jesus is an absolute amazing, I keep saying game changer, but I don't want to say game changer all the time, but he's a game changer. Changes everything as we've heard. John is announcing Jesus' arrival that God has stepped down into darkness. A light has come. Jesus is using the thing that has been given. Uh, John, John sorry, has been using the thing that has been given. He's been given voice in a very loud way, in a very public way, in a very bold way. Libby had this great uh, phrase this morning, this great question, this great uh, invitation for us to use our voice. Use our voice. What might it look like for us to use our voice? Now, we're probably not going to stand in the middle of the Royal Mile and, and shout out like John the Baptist. We're maybe not going to get a megaphone and shout out. There was a guy in London who I had a quite heated dis discussion with uh, who used to shout, are you a sinner or are you a winner? And he had a megaphone and uh, we kind of locked heads. At one, we didn't hit. We just kind of locked heads. And we had a chat and so on about it all. And he was very loud, very John the Baptist, like proclaiming all this sort of stuff, but, but alienating a lot of people. And a lot of people felt condemned. He eventually got um, an ASBO, antisocial behavior, uh, by, the, by the police, which was interesting. We're probably not going to do that. But what does it look like to use your voice to proclaim Jesus in a non-freaky, non-religious, normal, authentic, true to who you are, how God's made you, the shape that you are sort of way? In your workplace, with your colleagues, with your hairdresser, with your decorator, with your cleaner, with your lecturer, whatever it is, what does it look like for you to use your voice and say, you know what, there's somebody that changes everything. How are you going to articulate Jesus in your context? How are you going to proclaim the good news in your context? John the Baptist knows that Jesus is far greater than him. When we point to Jesus and not to ourselves, like John the Baptist was saying, look, look, don't, don't look at me, but there's someone that's coming. I'm just preparing the way for, for someone greater. If we look at verse 11 uh, that Phil read out here, it says, this is John saying, I baptize you with water, for repentance. But after me comes someone who is more powerful than I, obviously Jesus, one whose sandals that I am not worthy to carry. Sandals would have been absolutely filthy in that context. Like they were open sandals that would have been caked in mud and probably poo from all the animals and the dust and stuff. Like he's not worthy to carry Jesus' sandals. He's saying, guys, don't look at me. There's someone coming and he's great. 
Wouldn't it be awesome if the conversations that we have when we're talking about church or we're talking about courses that we're doing or we're talking about Christmas and so on, that, that something greater behind us is just kind of looming. And people are like, yeah, that's great, but, but what is it? What is it that you're talking about? And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the one that makes all the difference. John the Baptist is doing this comparison thing and he's saying, guys, don't, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Jesus is coming. And he's proclaiming this loud and proud and in the way that he knows how to do. It's maybe his gift and it's maybe where he's in his groove and his sweet spot doing this. But I wonder what it looks like for us, the conversations that we have about Jesus. Great things happen when we proclaim Jesus. We heard in the first story, this guy trying to articulate all the things that he might have done and courses that he might have done, which are all great and so on, and maybe part of the story. But when he boiled it down to the heart, it was Jesus. Great things happen when we proclaim the difference that Jesus has made in our life. Alpha and all these courses are filled with stories of people where Jesus has changed their life. And we need to find a way that is... Is, is language for today and language for the context that we're in that just articulates Jesus, that proclaims Jesus, that speaks well of Jesus. My wife Katie uh, started wild swimming uh, quite a while ago. Uh, she, she's, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. But she has all the gear and stuff and even a beanie hat because it's absolutely freezing. Um, but she goes swimming and she set herself this task of, of swimming in every month of the year. So she's definitely been in the water, in the sea, every month of the year. And she goes swimming with some friends, uh, some people from the school who don't go to church. They're not Christians. They don't know Jesus. And actually some of them are quite against um, anything like that. But she goes running with some of her friends. She went running with one of her friends and they do this tradition of going for a run and then they're like, hey, should we go for a swim? Like, we've gone for a run, let's just go in the sea and let's just go for a dip and a swim. It's not much of a swim, but it's a dip and it's in and they're there they're in the water. And this time uh, she did it, it was very normal, they'd done the run, it was time to go for a swim. And Katie ran into the water and she was like, just like feeling like so alive. Like all the adrenaline from running and all that sort of stuff. And now the, the water and all the endorphins or whatever happens when cold water hits you. And it's apparently good for your mental health. But she's in the water and she's like, oh my gosh. And she said, she said to her friend who doesn't go to church, not a Christian, doesn't believe in Jesus. I know this sounds cheesy, but I feel so alive. And when I run in the sea and when I'm surrounded by nature and when I feel the water, I just want to throw my hands up in the air and I just want to say thank you, Jesus. Little disclaimer. If that was me, and I was running in the water, and I was throwing my hands in there, I wouldn't be saying, thank you, Jesus. I'd be saying, help me, Jesus. Because this is absolutely freezing, and I don't know whether I can get out of this water, but, but I'm not my wife. And Katie was able to articulate this thing of like, thank you, Jesus, because I feel so alive. And she's like, oh, I've just said that to my friend who doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't go to church, not a Christian. That was a bit weird, bit cheesy. Sorry about that. But what was interesting was her friend was like, oh, my gosh. That's really incredible that you've said that. Like that you've connected Jesus and God to that in this moment. She said, I had a dream last night that I met God. And Katie was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Like, tell me a little bit more about that. What did that like? Tell me a bit more. Like, what was that like? like? And she said, well, I was just there in the presence of God. And I was surrounded by this enormous light, this lovely presence and this light. And I was just standing there before this enormous light and feeling safe and accepted and loved and, and, and just seen. Katie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus is described as the light of the world. 
And following these conversations, she's had these conversations that I'm jealous of and envious of because they're conversations that send goosebumps down your body and, and you shiver in the presence of God and the Spirit of God. But my like, gosh, Jesus is at work. And I know it's cheesy and I know it's a bit weird to say thank you, Jesus. But she almost couldn't help herself in giving praise and glory and credit to Jesus. And we don't need to go running and swimming and throwing our hands in the air and saying thank you, Jesus. But what is it? that we might do, that might give credit, credit you to God, to Jesus, to church, to Christianity, to the fellowship that we belong to, to the community that we belong to. How might we proclaim the good news? How might we proclaim something good that would catch someone's attention, trigger someone's imagination, unlock a dream that they had, a memory they had, an experience that they had when they went to church years ago when they were a child? I'm really inspired to be a bit more vocal, a bit more open. I I run occasionally, and it is occasionally. I run occasionally with a couple of guys who are dads at the school gate in Portobello, and and they own restaurants and and entrepreneurs and certain certain things that they do. And I feel like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say? They're just talking about business and money and blah, blah, blah. And and every now and then we get onto leaders and leadership and onto Gandhi and onto big religious figures and people, and then we get onto Jesus, and then we get onto the early church, and then we get onto... What does it look like to eat together, to be together, to to worship together? What does it look like to love where you live and love the people and actually love your actual neighbor? And suddenly these conversations, I'm like, this is amazing. But it's very normal. It's very natural. Just being able to speak about Jesus in a non-freaky, normal way. John the Baptist is there right in the middle of it, speaking about Jesus because he knows how good he is. He knows that Jesus changes everything. John the Baptist is talking about proclamation. When I read this, I see that John the Baptist is proclaiming good news. But he's also talking about preparing. There's the proclamation and there's the preparation as well. He's saying, look, guys, prepare yourselves for what is coming, for who is coming. Prepare your hearts for somebody that is coming who's going to change the world as we know it. Prepare yourself. I... I'm originally from a Pentecostal background, Assemblies of God, and, and then went around different denominations, then randomly did this, did that, and then got ordained as an Anglican priest and so on, and, and been involved in vineyard sort of movements. And, and it's interesting to see how different people do different things. And there's, there's one denomination that actually I, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable in, but one thing that they do that I think is quite interesting is that they come into church early, and they sit down, and they just spend a moment preparing their hearts. And I love that. I love that. It inspires me. I need to do that. But I need to do that in the morning when I get up, set an alarm early, get up, and just prepare space and time for Jesus to come, for Jesus to come through and to change my life and rearrange the stuff in my heart and in my head to prepare the way for all that he wants to do. John the Baptist saying to these contemporaries, he's saying, prepare yourselves get ready all the stuff that you're doing things good if it's not prepare to repent prepare to turn your lives around prepare to look at jesus and to let him in you um i'm sure have seen all the stuff that's going on in edinburgh with the tram lines and stuff you'll have seen uh uh, all sorts of diggers and all sorts of construction workers and so on uh just right by where, where we are by the church and so on there's pretty much 
three years that I've been here, there's been people at work digging the roads up and knocking stuff down and ripping stuff up. And it's really interesting to watch them as they kind of plow through all the concrete and make way for this tram that's going to kind of go through and journey and carry people through. But they're digging up the ground and they're laying down new tracks for this tram to go through that will carry people to their day, to their work, to their homes, to their lives. They're laying the road. They're preparing the way for something to come and pass through. And if we could do that in our hearts, if we could say, God, I want to prepare space for you to journey through. I want to prepare space to say sorry, to repent, like John the Baptist is asking these guys to do. I want to prepare space for you to come and have your way. And I want to lay down the tracks intentionally, deliberately, so that you can come and your spirit can come, and it can work in me and through me to others around me. What might that look like for us? John the Baptist is saying, make way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way. Make straight in the desert. Now, this is interesting because this is lifted from um, Isaiah. And this is a a prophecy of um, Jesus It's a prophecy of uh, what he will do. Isaiah 40, verse 3. It's so nicely worded. When you read the actual full thing that you see uh, in Isaiah, it says this, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. How nice is that? To carve out space and time for a highway for God. For him to come and journey in and journey through. So John invites us into this space of using our voice, of proclaiming it, proclaiming Jesus. But he invites us to prepare ourselves as well, to get our hearts ready for all that God wants to do in our lives, to make the path straight and easy for him, allowing time in our day, in our work, in our home, through our conversations, Allowing time for us to repent and say sorry to God and others, to turn around, making space for him to work. There's this um, old uh, tradition in the Old Testament. You've, you've probably heard of this, you know this, but this, this practice of gleaning. And what would happen in the Old Testament, um, the rich farmers would, would create a border around their fields. And they would say to their workers, look, don't cut the edges of the crops. Just leave a frame, leave a border of crops around the edges. Harvest all the other stuff, but leave these crops around the edges. And I want you to leave it for the less fortunate. I want you to leave it for the people who might be poor, for the people who would probably come when it was getting dark so no one could see them. But they would come and they would gather up crops and they'd quickly come and hurry and gather all the stuff. And this particular story in the Old Testament, Boaz, who was a rich farmer, insisted on this, doing it. One of the uh, people that would come and collect the crops was a lady called Ruth. And Ruth collected and carried all the stuff and was grateful for the space that Boaz had left around in his fields for generosity, for kindness, for goodness, and for food. She ended up marrying Boaz. They had children. And if you follow the line of that, it leads to Jesus. The generosity of Boaz leaving space and time for those around meant that he met somebody that he married, that he had children to, that led on to the line of 
Jesus. Like, who knows what God can do, what Jesus can do, what the Spirit can do when we prepare a bit of space, a bit of time for God to work in our workplaces, in our conversations, in our head, in our day. Who knows what could happen deep within us and to those around us. We speak courageously in our voice, the voice that God's blessed us with, in our way, in the way that, and the shape that God has made us to be kind, to be loving, to be gracious, to be Jesus to people. I'm just going to invite the guys just to come up, and they're just going to take us into a moment of response. Um, and we'll end up in, in singing um, and worshiping. But maybe now's the time to get your phone out. I know it's a sermon, but you get your phone out. You haven't already been taking notes and jotting it down. Put a reminder and pre- prepare some space for God to work. Put a little reminder for tomorrow, lunchtime, tomorrow, 6 a.m., Wednesday, 4 o'clock, I don't know. Put a little reminder and be proactive. Carve out some space so that God can journey through and have his way and do his thing and fill you with confidence and courage to proclaim the good news to the people around you. Maybe just make a mental note of where that will be. Where are you going to give space? Just as the band um, gets set up, let me just end with this prayer, and then I'm going to leave it, lead us in a time of response. This is from Lectio 365. It's a closing prayer, and it says this. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way, Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all that I do and say. Amen.